1 John chapter 4. Some of you, your Bibles in 1 John got awful lonely the last several weeks, right? We haven't been in 1 John for over a month or more. And some of you may have been thinking, are we done with 1 John? Surely we're not, are we? But 1 John chapter 4, working our way through this great book, which was written to give us assurance that we are children of God. And he says one test is what we think about Jesus Christ. Is he what we trust purely and only for salvation, that he is God in the flesh that paid the penalty for our sin. Another is that we obey Him, and another is that we have a love for the brethren. And um, in this passage that we're looking at, he's dealing with this aspect of love for the brethren. You notice in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 4, "...and we have known and believed the love that God hath toward us." God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we again thank you that we have access to your word, that your spirit dwells within every believer to help us to understand your word, and to make application of your truth into our life. And Lord, I pray that your Spirit would do a very active work in each of our lives, beginning in my heart. I am dependent upon you for every word and action. And and Lord, I know that any work of you is not going to be done by me. It needs to be done by the working of your Spirit. And so... We appeal to you for your glory, that you would be seen in your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. You know, um, there's a, a great sense of satisfaction when you have properly prepared for a test. And you think, I have studied, I have prepared, I know this material... And I'm ready. You can go in with confidence. Um, But sometimes you go in with confidence and you take the test and you think, wow, I didn't know they were going to ask that. And our confidence can wane. Um, I don't know, sometimes in another, in a totally different light, there are some families that have somewhere in their home where they measure... Um, the growth of their kids, and they mark it. And there's a different sense of confidence when 
the parents say, hey, come over here. We want to measure you to see if you've grown this last year. They step up there. They've been looking at where they were before, and they say, ah, no problem, measure that. Yeah, I've grown. And they step up there with confidence because, hey, I can pass that test. That's just natural growing, and I'm doing it. Well, John is writing and he says, I want you to be able to have confidence when you come to the judgment before God. To have boldness, he said. Now, it's taken for granted in this, but we want to mention there is a day of judgment coming. Um, for every believer, he said that every one of us would appear before the judgment seat of Christ and will give account of the things that we have done in our body. And he said those things that were done in and of the flesh will be consumed as wood and hay and stubble. Those things that were done through the power of the Spirit for God's honor and glory will be like gold, silver, and precious stone. They will be purified by the fire. And we realize God has given us many things in life, but we are stewards of that. And a steward means that someone else owns it, and I am responsible to give an account to them for how I use what they have given me. So, we are stewards of life and our health and our intellect and our resources and everything, and there will be a day of judgment coming for every believer. Every unbeliever will appear before the great white throne judgment, a totally separate judgment, and it will be proven to them that they never called upon the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and they will be cast into the lake of fire because they rejected Christ for salvation. Those are the two judgments. So there is a day of judgment. And John is writing and he said, I want you as believers to be able to have boldness in the day of judgment. And he said, this is how you can have boldness in the day of judgment. He said, if God is in us, His love will be brought to maturity in our lives. He said, verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You may be thinking, oh my, I'm never going to get to the day where my love is perfect. So I am not going to have boldness in the day of judgment. The perfect that is used here does not mean like we think of perfect, um, the University of Kentucky has a perfect record. They're 31 and 0. They've played 31 basketball games and they've won every one of them. They say that's a perfect record. That isn't what this word means. Um, rather, the idea is that it reaches its complete development or its intended goal or to be mature. I've asked Andrew if he'd come, and he's bringing one of the boys with him here. 
to help us illustrate this. Now, if I, if I say to you that Andrew is perfect, you would say, no, I don't, I don't think so. And um, Shayla could probably give us some information on that as well. But in the sense that the word is used here, he came to his intended purpose. Many of you, how many of you can remember when Andrew was this size here, right? Okay, you remember that. And you probably thought, what will this kid ever grow up to be? Some of you still are wondering, right? But, but the reality is, part, as I was thinking about this, part of being a grandparent is not just having the kids and playing with them and then sending them home and being done with it. That's a little benefit, okay. But part of being a grandparent is we invested in this life when it was like this, And we have seen that life come to its intended purposes. Poor Gunner's wondering, what is Opa doing up here, all right? So, we have seen, when when they're little, you think, what will this kid ever amount to? Will they ever get potty trained? Will they ever learn to pick up their room? Will they ever learn to, and you add, you fill it in, everyone has different things. Well, you know what? He has come to his intent. Our intended purposes as parents is to raise God-fearing people that are a blessing to society and function in society and are something positive. That honor God. Well, see, in the sense that John is talking, he has come to maturity. And I stand back and say, you know what? I don't have to call Andrew and say, go mow your yard. I noticed it needs mowing. If any of you do that to your adult children, calling and telling them to do much of anything, bug out, okay? That's in the Greek there, all right? You put the right things in, it's bound to show up. But see, right here, they're putting the things in this life now. Has, is he mature? No. But the day comes that they hope and they pray that the day will come when he will be mature and they'll be able to look back and watch him raising his family. That's the sense of perfect that is used here. So, I stand back, we sit back and look, and as parents of adults, the kids don't, do everything our way, and that's probably good in a lot of ways. But the fact is, as they grow and mature and be God-honoring and, and responsible adults, they have come to maturity. They've come to their intended purpose. When we had children, it was not to have them and have them stay in our home. It was to teach them, instruct them. We've had a lot of great times, but he's come to his intended purpose. We saw a couple weeks ago, God intended everything to reproduce and to carry. That's life. So now he is doing the same thing here. And you may wonder, as you see those two running around, what will they ever amount to? 
Well, by God's grace, there will be maturity. Thank you. You can sit down, okay? Or take him back to the nursery or whatever. Now, that's what he's saying in the perfected. So when John talks about God's love being perfected in it, it means that his love reaches its intended goal. It comes to a maturity. This does not mean that you'll love everyone perfectly without any shortcomings. Rather, it means that the direction of your life is growth in love that is not humanly explainable. By God's love, we mean a self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good for the one that is loved. In other words, seeking the best for the one that is loved. So God is saying, I've showed my love to you, and now my love should come to maturity in your life when it's manifested in you caring in a God love like He loved us, caring for others in a self-sacrificing commitment when you're concerned for their highest good. Perfect love, mature love is not just in words or nice thoughts, but it's in action. You notice he said, in this, herein is our love manifested or made perfect or brought to its intended purpose It is reference to our love that we have for each other. And if God is in us, His love will be brought to maturity in our lives, and mature love is manifested in loving God and loving others. Love reaches its intended goal when it engages in active ministry, love to others, and reproducing itself, reproducing His character and conduct in our lives. Mature love, as we said, is manifested in loving God and loving others. This implies that you are involved in close relationships with other believers, and you're committed to work through misunderstandings and hard feelings and problems. And if you have a mature love, you don't say, I'm done with them, I'm never going to have anything, I'll go do my own thing here. A mature love says, I am committed by God's love working in my life to continue to minister and learn and grow and develop. See, God designed the church to give us opportunity to know and help one another. Church is not just to come up, gather on a Sunday morning, hear someone give a speech or whatever, and then go your way. Church is designed by God to give us opportunity to really learn how to love people. To love one another, we must get to know one another. And also must be committed that we're going to work through the difficulties in our relationships. Because when you have relationships, whether it's with one person or ten people or whatever it is, 
When you have a relationship with someone else, there ultimately comes up difficulties. Mature love is committed to work through those, and when you see that love increasing in your life, it gives you confidence in the day of judgment. God is truly at work in my life, because that is not the normal way that I respond to that situation But God is producing that in my life as I yield to Him. It means responding right to conflict and repairing relationships. And see, all these are not easy. It's not just you put a band-aid on and fix it. It means loving the unlovely. It means overcoming evil with good. It means acting, doing what is right, not reacting. No matter how you act, I am still going to love you. I am still going to do what's right. Even if you do wrong, I am still going to do what is right. Mature love is manifested in loving God and loving others. We'll go on to this more as we go through 1 John. But it's manifested in this that it's like, wow. God's intended purpose for me is not just to love God, because you cannot love God without loving others. God's intended purpose for me is to love others. And the hallmark of a true follower of Christ is their great increasing concern about the element of manifesting love in their life. So we ask the question, see, I I illustrated here before, Andrew is my son, but he is completely different from me, but at the same time, he manifests characteristics of a mature adult. I'm giving him the benefit and me the benefit, okay? So he's manna. Amen. I'm glad. Good. Thank you, Greg. So I'm... Because he's my son, and and we were... We tried to train him, when the intended purpose of that is worked out, he bears characteristics that I should have modeled before him how to love his wife so that... He knows how to love his wife. I should have modeled for him how to, I was going to say, fix plumbing. I did not model that for them very well. Isaac called the other day and he said, Dad, I'm just thinking of you because we're changing some sinks out and I'm working on plumbing and I'm expecting there to be several leaks. I said, that's right. I I help my kids have realistic expectations about life. But you understand, we ask the question, am I like Jesus at all? Does my life reflect any resemblance to the love that Jesus had in this world? Would others, especially those who live with me, say that they see the love of Christ in my daily behavior? 
He said, if it's being manifested, you are coming to your intended end, and you can have confidence that you are a child of God because God is producing that in your life. You can have confidence in the day of judgment when you have mature love. The ground of that confidence is that we will have a likeness to Christ in this aspect. John says that we can be assured that God abides in us and we in Him if we see His Spirit at work producing in us a love for another person and a confession for the truth of Jesus Christ. And so... That is something that only God can do. Love that comes from God gives us confidence in the day of judgment, and it will be expressed in our love for others. It's a confidence in the character and the love of God, and that His love indeed is flowing through us. That He's put it in us by His grace through salvation, and it is flowing through us. See, we illustrated. This was physical life here. The grandfather, the father, and the son. And evidence that Andrew was holding a person and not... Two words come to mind. Mannequin and dummy. And neither one of those is a good word to use here, okay? But like a ventriloquist is proof that this is not a lifelike doll that he had up here. It was a real person, and he will continue to grow physically to his intended to maturity. Spiritually, there's God, the Father, and Jesus Christ, the Son, and He has done a work in our life, and evidence that we really have spiritual life is not that we can sing songs, not that we attend church. Evidence that we really have spiritual life is that we start looking like the Father in how we respond to people that do us wrong, in how we love someone else, in how we manifest that love in solving this problem, when this relationship... And then we say, God is really at work in my life. There may be a person that can give all the seven trumpets and vials and seals of revelation and may know Old Testament history and may know all the facts and figures about the Bible, but not really be born again. John is saying one of the proofs that you are born again, is that God will be producing in your life a love for others. And he said, and to put you in work for this, I'm putting you in a church body. I thought someone would say amen to that, because there's a lot of weirdos in church that God's making me try to love. Amen? And that's one of the purposes. And he said, I'm trying to get you to, to come to your intended purpose, to be an instrument of my love to others. And so I put you with others that profess the same thing, and it ought to produce that in your life. 
But mature love is not the result of me saying, man, this week I've got to try harder. And that guy at work or that person in my family that just drives me nuts, I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to try to smile at them and be nice to them. No. Mature love is the result of obeying the Holy Spirit. It's something God produces in us. Now, it doesn't mean you just say, well, I'm having a hard time loving them. God, you're not doing your job. No. You better get, number one, to make sure you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. That you are a child of God. Then number two, you better check, have I quenched the Spirit of God in my life? Have I frustrated the Spirit of God? Have I resisted the Spirit of God to the point that I don't even hear Him anymore? And that's whole other topics, but you need to confess your sin. The more we say no to the Spirit of God, the less we hear Him. But if you are a child of God, the Spirit of is at work in your heart, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says, to spread abroad in our heart the love of God. That's one of the ministries of the Spirit of God. So if you don't have the love of God being spread abroad in your heart, you need to go back and check, is the Spirit there? Then you need to check, have I quenched the Spirit of God in my life? And thirdly, you need to ask yourself, God, what am I not obeying that your Spirit has told me to do? But if we will obey the Spirit, He will produce a mature love in our life. A love, as He said, it's a fruit of the Spirit, an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit produces that. So, again, we say it's not something I determined to do. He's saying, if you look at your life and you say God moving you and you are growing in this whole thing of coming to God's intended purpose and you really are learning by God's Spirit to love others when they are unlovely, that you are learning to overcome evil with good, that you are learning these things, he said, You can have confidence in the day of judgment that you have let God have His perfect work in you. You can have confidence that you are a child of God. Not just because you prayed a prayer. You know what? In all of 1 John, I never see him say once, because you prayed a prayer. He said, because you believe this... Because you obey this, these are evidences, and because you have a mature love that has developed in your life by the working of the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, here is how our love is matured, by obeying the Spirit of God. And when it is matured in our life, we can have confidence boldness in the day of judgment, notice this, because as He is, so are we. We can have confidence because as Christ loves, so are we loving. We can have confidence that it's come to its intended purpose. 
Andrew, married, taking care of his wife, has a family, providing, taking care, disciplining. That's what I wanted to convey to him to pass on to the next generation. Christ came, he gave us life, and he said, I want you now to do what I intended you to do. For God so loved the world. But I don't want them in my life. I don't like them. I like this little group over here. They're my Facebook friends. They didn't they dislike me. Well, maybe you should love them. And what is the Spirit asking you to do? A self-sacrificing commitment that doesn't blow with the wind and change with, well, they were nice to me and I'll be nice to them and they weren't nice to me, so I'm not nice to them. Uh, and a self-sacrificing commitment that shows itself in seeking the highest good for the one loved. Seeking the highest good doesn't mean you approve everything they do. But it's obeying the Spirit of God and responding. And he says, and you alone, no one can answer this for you, but you alone know that if God is producing a mature love in you, and you can rest assured, every Christian, God has predetermined, predestined him to be conformed to the image of his Son. So if you have trusted Christ, God's Spirit is at work to make you to learn to love like Christ. And when you see that happening in your life, He says, you're good to go. You can have confidence. See, there should be times in your life that you step back and say, wow, I can't believe I did that. In a good sense. I can't believe I responded peacefully and quietly to them when they were in my face. They were doing this or whatever. That is God. I can't believe I'd even think of doing something positive like that. That, that is God. And what John is writing is he said, when we learn by obeying the Spirit, to care for others with a self-sacrificing commitment, desiring their best good, that's a work of God, and you can have confidence that the Holy Spirit of God is in you, that He has sealed you, and that you are a child of God and have come to your intended purpose. See, our intended purpose is not just to help us to learn to overcome these things so we can be a trophy. Our intended purpose is to walk in victory so we can make a difference in other people's lives. So we can share the love of God with others. If it was just to become like Christ... I've often said, if all it was was to become like Christ, the moment you got saved, you should die. Because when we go to heaven, we'll be like Christ. Wouldn't that be something? Well, you hear, oh, so-and-so saved. How do you know he got saved? Well, he died right after he got saved. 
The purpose is not just... And I think a lot of Christians are lost in their Christian life. Why are you doing this? And they think, they give up then. I don't know why I'm doing it. I need, I want to show the love of God to others. Because He loved me, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. And His love is at work in me, and I want to show others. That doesn't just mean go preach to them. Show them the love of God. And he says, if God is producing that in your own life, he says, you can have boldness. You can have confidence in the day of the Lord. There is a day of judgment coming. Every one of us are going to answer to God for what we've done with truth, what we've done with our resources. And God, as a child of His, God desires... Every one of us to love as He loves. He said it all boils down to this. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love others as yourself. And that's one of the purposes God designed a church. That's why it's important that you learn to love one another and not just cut people out of your life and say, yeah, we just didn't see eye to eye and so we're not, we don't ever do anything together anymore. Yep, we don't pray together, we don't work together, we don't glory together, we don't do anything together. God is not glorified in that, and there is no love in that. And that's why God brings people into your lives. It's not an accident that all these people are in your life. He says, I'm giving you an opportunity to love. And if you can't love one another as believers... How are you going to love those that aren't believers? He'll get more into that. But the reality is, am I coming to God's intended purposes in my life? Am I like Jesus at all? As He is, so are we in this world. Heavenly Father, I pray that that could become a reality in our lives That as you are, so we would be in our lives. And Lord, I know it will be a reality if we would be committed to obeying your Spirit. Lord, I pray for every believer here today that we would examine our hearts and lives and our love. And Lord that we would check our relationship with Your Spirit. You said Your Spirit sheds abroad the love of You in our hearts. Lord, if we have rejected, resisted, quenched the Spirit of You, Lord, I pray that we would come back and make things right and that we would take steps of obedience to the leading of Your Spirit. And I rejoice that you will produce love in our hearts, as we do. And Lord, I pray if there's one here today that knows they have never responded to your love, offering to them forgiveness, 
I pray today that they would come to you and receive the gift of eternal forgiveness of sins and be given spiritual life. Thank you, Lord, that you are at work. And thank you that you are producing in our lives the fruit that will glorify you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.